Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast. Today is a Q&A episode and I have three questions I'm going to answer. Uh, but first, before I dive into that, just want to have a just go over a few ways you can help support the podcast. So first, if you have found this podcast to be helpful in any way, if you could leave a rating and review and that will help more people find this podcast. Next, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Jeff, H-O-E-H-N underscore. And that's where I'm most active on social media. Um, and if you have any questions or anything, you can reach out there. And then... Lastly, I have my one-on-one online coaching service. And with that, I help you lose body fat and build muscle with my strategic dieting and training methods. We look at things like your lifestyle and biofeedback to individualize your training and nutrition program to you and your specific needs. I also find that there's always at least one to two things outside of the training and nutrition protocol that are keeping you from seeing the results you want to see. I like to call those, you know, the bottlenecks of seeing the results. So if that's something you're interested in, you can reach out on Instagram or you can fill out the link in the show notes and we can continue that conversation. So with that out of the way, let's dive into today's question. So the first question I have is signs of good versus rapport recovery from training. So I would say, let's start with good, good recovery, right? You know, you're feeling energized throughout the day. If you're training and then the next day or that day or the days after, you know, you're feeling pretty good. Um, energy wise, you're not feeling super, um, just, you know, fatigued, tired. Um, you know, that's a good sign that, you know, you are recovering at least fairly well, right? Another one would be like minimal soreness and soreness that goes away fairly quickly. So I don't think that soreness is necessarily meaning you're under recovered. Um, but if that soreness, you know, lasts for two, three, four days, it doesn't um, go away quickly. You know, you're probably not recovering as good as you can um, there. And, and we'll, towards the end of this, end of this, I'll talk about some strategies that you can implement to help with your recovery. Um, another good sign is that you're able to progress slash have good training sessions, right? So I think this is a big one that, you know, if you're not progressing in your workouts, and again, you don't have to progress every single week, but if you're not progressing ever and your workouts just suck, you're not feeling motivated to train, you're probably under recovered, right? So we want to make sure we have good training sessions. We want to make sure we're progressing. If we're not, we're probably under recovered. So let's talk about the flip side, some things with poor recovery. You know, you're just feeling lethargic throughout the day. If you do a workout and then you just feel like, you know, the rest of the day, you're just like so beat up. You don't want to move. It's like, okay, probably under recovering. Again, if that goes into the next couple of days, again, you're probably under recovered, right? Um, soreness that doesn't go away. You have, you know, achy joints, tendons. Again, you're probably under recovered um, at that point. And then your training sessions just suck and you just can't seem to progress them. Um, you know, you go into your sessions and you're not motivated to train. It's like everything just feels super heavy. Joints are achy when you lift. Um, and you just, you know, you look back and it's like, man, I haven't really been able to progress anything. It's like, you're probably under recovered at that point, right? So that's that would be poor recovery. Some other aspects of poor recovery too are going to be things like, you know, your sleep's impacted. If you're finding that you're like waking up in the middle of the night, you might be under recovered, right? Um, your body's just, you know, in that overdrive mode, you're training a little bit too much and um, that could be uh, impacted, right? Um, you're getting sick often. So if you're finding that you're getting sick regularly, you know, again, you could be, could have poor recovery, right? And your mood's just not great. You know, if you're just not feeling good, you feel irritable, um, mood from day to day just seems to be down. Again, you could be under recovery. And now with, with this, you know, 
what are some things you can do here? So I think a couple of things that are going to impact your recovery are going to be, does your, the amount of training you're doing match up with the amount of sleep that you're getting, but also what does your food intake look like, right? If you're somebody that regularly, like, I think overtraining is hard to do in, in itself, um, especially for people that are just trying to to build muscle, right? I think that, you know, people that do like really, really high volumes of training and um, things like that, like in athletes and stuff, they're probably at a little bit of a higher risk of overtraining. I mean, it can certainly happen, but I think the, probably the bigger issue is people, you know, maybe try to fat loss diet for too long. And that's kind of, that's sort of how they start to push that, that overtraining aspect. Right. So, you know, if you take somebody that's in a surplus or at maintenance, um, they're getting good sleep, their capacity to train is a lot higher. You take somebody who is not getting a lot of sleep, um, they're in a calorie restricted state, you know, they're gonna, they don't have as much to recover. Um, they have less recovery, um, capacity at, at, at that point. Right. So that's going to play a role. So, you know, what can we do with this information? What are some things that you can do if you are, you know, if you're recovering great, Hey, that's perfect. You could potentially add in a little bit more training volume, you know, test that a little bit. Um, maybe you could push your intensity a little bit as well too. Um, so if you're recovering great and like just perfect, these are some things that you could potentially do there. Now, if you're under recovering, what are some things you could do? You know, there you do need to improve your sleep, right? Like check that. I guarantee you that's off and that can be improved. I think again, sleep's one of those things. It's very similar to like cal the calorie intake and sleep are the two things that you ask clients and it's like, and, and just anybody's like, how is that going? It's like, oh, that's good. There's nothing wrong there with that. My sleep's, my sleep's great. You know, here's some sleep recommendations. Oh yeah, I'm already doing all those things. You know, for whatever reason, sleep's just one of those things that's like, no, that's not a problem. I'm good at sleeping. When I guarantee you there's at least one or two things that you could at least improve, right? So if you say that you, and, and you feel like you're under-recovered, you need to check out your sleep, right? Next would be the the calorie aspect of it, right? Where again, it's like if somebody is, and this is a little bit of a side tangent, but if somebody maybe isn't seeing the results they want to see from like a weight loss standpoint, or maybe potentially gaining too much weight, you know, and you ask about, you know, are you doing this with your calories? Or you maybe, um, are your serving sizes off? It's like, no, I track everything. And it's like, those are like the two things I feel like are the most common of like, no, there's no, that can't be it. But again, to go back to sleep, like double check it. I guarantee you there's a few things that you can um, improve there uh, with it. Next would be to dial back your volume or take a deload week or just dial back your intensity, right? Like do either one, you know, maybe you're just doing too much training volume for, uh, again, the amount of sleep you're getting, the, the if you're in a fat loss phase, right? Your calories are restricted. You might just have to dial back training volume um, just a little bit. Or again, you can take a deload week. You could also extend this out and you could take more of a, like a, just like a maintenance phase of training as well too, where maybe you go down uh, one day per week. Maybe you're just doing less volume overall, right? So you can extend this out to a little bit of a, a longer time frame. So again, you know, check, check that and see if that's there, but also, you know, improving your diet quality can help with recovery, right? Are you potentially, you know, maybe you're eating a decent amount of calories or even you're in a fat loss phase, but a good chunk of that is lower quality foods. You might be missing out on, you know, maybe you're a little low on protein. Um, you know, maybe you're, you know, maybe you're missing out on certain vitamins um, that you need, certain nutrients. So, you know, double check that, you know, look at your diet quality. Can that be improved? And then again, make sure that you aren't under eating regularly. Again, I, I think it's good to have periods of time where you're losing body fat. But again, if that becomes something that you do you know, six months out of the year or longer, it's like, okay, you probably need to take a break from fat loss dieting and increase your calories. And that's going to help with your recovery. So those are some things that you can do there. Um, again, some signs of good versus poor recovery, and then some ways that you can um, work on, on that recovery. So my next question is tips for diet break on vacation where you want to enjoy yourself, but also feel good after. So yeah. So again, just to reiterate a diet break is 
basically a like one to two week. Again, it can be longer than that, but typically it's one to two weeks where you bring your calories back around maintenance during a fat loss phase, right? So you're doing a fat loss phase and then you take a, a diet break in between there. So what are some things that you like, say you have a vacation, what are some strategies that you can implement during that week to help you stay on track, right? Because you know, one of the big mistakes people make with diet breaks is like, oh, it's a diet break. I can do anything I want. Um, and that's obviously not the case, right? We still need to make sure that we don't go crazy with it. We don't go too far over our calories. Like we need to be closer to maintenance, right? So what are some things that can help you stay on track during this time? So first is focus on a lean source of protein at each meal. Again, protein's going to be helpful for maintaining lean body mass, but it's also going to be helpful to, it helps with satiation, right? Like it helps you get full and and, and stay full. So again, that's why we want to focus on a lean source of protein. Plus it just, again, be by focusing on a lean source of protein, it helps you displace other nutrients in your diet, right? So again, it can help you eat less of maybe higher fat, higher carbohydrate foods. If you have, you know, if you're on a vacation and you miss and, and you miss a meal where you didn't have protein in it, that's fine. Just make sure you get in the very next one, you make sure you have protein in it. Um, so really try to hit a pro- source of protein at each meal. Next, stay active slash get a lift or two in if you can. Um, you know, make sure you're moving, make sure your steps don't get down to like two, three thousand per day. You know, make sure you're hitting at least six to ten thousand, maybe push a little bit more. You do have to be careful with an increase in hunger by moving too much, but again, that's more movements can be better than like no movement. So we definitely want to make sure you're moving. Um, and then if you can try to get a lift or two in, you know, that's going to be helpful, you know, just going to help, help you feel like you're staying on track, kind of anchor you a little bit, but also, you know, it can be helpful from like an insulin sensitivity standpoint. Um, and, and just making sure, you know, those nutrients get put into the muscle and, and get put in the right places, right. Rather than being stored as, um, body fat, which again, if you're close to maintenance, that shouldn't be an issue anyways, you know, be select. The next thing would be be selective on what you choose to eat. Basically, just don't eat everything in sight because you're on a diet break, right? So I always tell this, talk to clients about this with being selective. You know, I'm sure you've been to a party before where it's like there's food there and it's like you don't even really like that thing, but it's there in front of you. So you eat it anyways. That would be the opposite of being selective. That's just like, hey, the food's there. I'm just going to eat it, right? Be selective. You know, if there's something that it's like, you know, I've had that before. It's like, yeah, it looks good. It's, but it really doesn't do much for me. It's like, okay, then don't eat that. Right. But Hey, maybe there's this like cookie or this meal that it's like, man, I freaking love that. That's my favorite thing. It's like, well then go and enjoy that. Why would you not have that? You know? So if you could just be more selective and kind of cut out that slack, that can be super helpful there. Just again, just be careful with, you know, eating everything in sight because you're on a diet break. That's what we want to avoid. The next thing would be, and this goes hand in hand with this is slow down and enjoy what you do eat. Right. So if you're, again, maybe you have something that you eat and again, you're being selective with it, it's tasty, well, slow down and enjoy it, right? Why would you rush through it? If you're if you're rushing through it, you're not going to be able to enjoy it as much. And slow slowing down eating and, and really chewing up your food has been shown to help people reduce their caloric intake in meals. So that's going to be a great strategy that you can implement because you get more satisfaction, but slowing down itself does help you eat less calories and, and dial that back. So Whatever you decide to eat, just make sure you slow down and enjoy what you eat. Don't choose something and then be like, oh, why am I eating this? And then you just scarf it down real quick. And then it's like you ate that food, you weren't selective, but you also just rushed through it. So just whatever you do decide to eat, slow down and enjoy it. Last would be around alcohol. If you don't drink alcohol, that's a plus. I mean, you know, some people it's like, well, that sucks to hear. But I mean, if you don't drink alcohol, you're going to save a ton of calories just by that, right? But if you do, then set limits on how many drinks and try to stick with lower calorie drinks. So if you do drink, Make sure you're setting limits. Um, you know, you probably don't just want to go and just drink however many drinks you want each night because that's going to be or day. That's going to be very challenging to moderate and then 
again, when you drink more, the more you drink, your inhibitions lower. So you're more likely to be like, oh, screw it. I'm just, you're not going to pay attention to what you're doing. You're not going to be selective. You're probably not going to get protein in. So it kind of wipes out all those things that we talked about. So set limits. And, you know, I had a conversation with a client who's going on a trip this week. And one of it was, you know, maybe you set limits for most of the days. And then one day you have one night where you just drink a little bit more. Again, we're still, this is better than just winging it all week and who knows where you end up with the drinks, right? So those are some things you can do to to help with your diet break while you're on vacation to help you uh, stay on track. So I had somebody ask me about rep ranges. So specifically working in like the 12 to 20 rep range. So I kind of wanted to give my thoughts on it. Um, you know, can it be useful for building muscle? And so to kind of start this conversation out, when it comes to building muscle, you can build it you know, really anywhere, like the range they talk about is like five to 30 reps. I mean, you could build it a little bit less than that, probably a little bit more, but that optimal range and research is like, Hey, anywhere from five to 30 reps is going to be solid. So long as, and this is the big caveat here is so long as it's, you're taking the target muscle close to failure. Okay. So you can do a set of 15. That's fine. As long as you take that target muscle close to failure, if you do a set of 15 and you're like 10 plus reps away from failure, probably not going to be great for building muscle. You know, same thing with a set of five, same thing with a set of 20. Um, if you can follow that principle, you really have this wide rep range that you can work in. You know, I think a lot of people wonder if working over like 15, 12 to 15 reps is even worth it. And so kind of my thought on this was for a while, I was like, oh, I, you know, five to 30 reps, you know, let's get a decent amount of 20 to 30 rep range in there um, for clients, for myself. And and then I kind of learned a little bit more. And I was like, oh, I don't know if that's a great rep range. So I kind of started to go away from it a little bit more. But now I'm starting to, I'm now back at the point where it's like, I think I do know that that rep range has some benefit, right? I think anything plus like 12, 20 plus, again, probably not much over 30. I do think it has some benefit. Now, I still think that most of the the work that you do should be in that like 5 to 15 rep range, like 75 or like 75 to 85% of your training if you're trying to build muscle should be in that that 5 to 15-ish rep range. But again, I think it's good to go outside of it. Uh, from time to time and to just work outside of those rep ranges, especially if you like to. Um, but I think for sure, getting in that 12 to 20 rep range from time to time is, is a good idea. So in saying that, I want to go over some downsides with this rep range and why I think it doesn't work for people and why, or why, yeah, the biggest mistake I see, made, the three mistakes I see made with it and why it ends up not working for a lot of people. So first, people end up going way too light. Okay. So it's like, oh, this is a 12 to 20 rep range. I can go super light with it. So then they do that set. And then it's like, they're super far away from failure, but you end up doing a lot of reps. So now it's like your heart rate gets up. So you feel like you're close to failure, but the target muscle is is not close to failure. Okay. So people end up going way too light. You know, it's like, Oh, 12, 20 pink dumbbells. That's what I'm doing um, for that. So, and again, this is probably a rep range that you, and this is a general, uh, this is a general statement here. I'm not saying this is every single person and men don't train in this rep range, but you typically will see more women train in this rep range of like 12 to 20 or plus. Right. And again, this is where they end up. This is why people say they go too light because they're just, they do this rep range and then the, the weight's just too light for that rep range. So first, you know, make it, make sure you're doing enough weight that is, that's going to help. That's going to be take that target muscle close to failure in this rep range. Okay. So that's probably the first thing is again, people just go super light in this rep range and, and they end up not getting close enough to failure. Second, it's a longer set. So it's tough to stay focused during the end of it, right? It's like, you know, a set of eight, I mean, it takes 30 to 40 seconds. You can stay maybe even less than that. You can stay focused during that time. But now we start getting in 15, you know, 12, 15, 20 rep range. You know, you're talking 45 seconds or longer here. Um, and 
So you can lose focus. Um, but that's also the point when you need to maintain good technique slash higher risk of technique breakdown as you get higher up. So it's like you have a lot of things going against you. So people end up, again, stopping way short of failure in this rep range for those reasons that I just mentioned. It's like it can get boring. It's hard to stay focused. But then also injury, your injury risk can go up because you're not staying focused, but you really need to keep your technique dialed in as you get closer to failure and as these rep range, as it, you know, as you get closer to the end of your set. So that's the other big thing there with it. And then I, I would say it's not like an acute injury that's going to happen. It's going to be more so this like wear and tear type injury where it's like, you know, your technique breaks down a little bit and it's like, it does that for five to 10 reps, you know, for three sets. And then over time, it's like, now you're putting more wear and tear on joints. And this is where you start to see maybe a little bit more like um, long-term injuries, like just wear and tear overuse type injuries with, with lifting, right? Tendonitis, stuff like that. And then, so that's the second mistake, right? Like you need to make sure that you stay focused throughout the entire set, but it gets harder as the set goes on. Um, but you make that is the most important time to stay focused. Okay. So again, not only do people go super light, but then they also can't stay focused throughout the set. And then they end up staying way too far away from failure. And then third, people end up spending way too much time in this rep range. Okay. So again, I said 75 to 85% of the time, probably in that five to 15 rep range. But then people spend, you know, 50 plus percent in this rep range. And it's just too much time in the rep range. I don't think you're going to get your best results by doing that. And then also you combine it with the fact that you might be making this, those first two mistakes. And then those are going to add up over time. So just make sure that, you know, if you do train in this rep range, it's, it's not taking up a little massive chunk of your training, but then also make sure you're lifting heavy enough and then make sure that uh, you stay focused. And and you could see now where like this, this rep range honestly sucks. You, you would think that it would be easier because it's 12 to 20. You're going to go a little bit lighter, but it's like, yeah, you're going lighter, but you're going to be doing the set way longer. Um, your technique's going to want to break down. It's hard to stay focused. Um, you just feel the burn. And then you do also need to get, you don't necessarily need to get closer to failure, but it's important to get closer to failure, but it's also harder because of all those things I mentioned. So those are my thoughts on that rep range. Um, I think it can be very useful, but just look out for those common mistakes with it. Um, if you do like to train in that rep range, that's totally fine. Just again, double check those things I talked about today. Um, so that's it for this episode. Uh, a lot of good uh, questions again this week. We'll do more again next week. That's it for now. And I will chat with you guys next time. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at jeffh91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.